Welcome. You're listening to The Hill by Thieves Theater. I'm Gabrielle. I'm Nick, and we're thieves. Well, not exactly thieves, but beginning in 1981, <laughs> in the Stone Age, we called ourselves Thieves Theater, but we didn't do just theater. We did what we called uh, conceptual guerrilla or paratheatrical work. Um, our goal was to disrupt and alter the social and political status quo. Which means we just like putting sticks in anthills and watching the ants scurry and adjust to their new reality, yes. their new status quo. Rebels. Right. right. With a cause. Usually, right. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> right. Um, so today we're going to talk about Tito. We're getting through these uh, people <laughs> the core group a little more slowly than we thought we were going to. So hang in there with us. We will get back to the geomancer. We will get to everybody. But today we want to uh, talk about Tito and hopefully get to Tony. But we have a lot on our minds. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I want to go back to the last episode where yes. we were talking about Larry and Elaine. And um, I, I sort of got pushed into something there where I said uh, Larry... Yeah, he's scum. But I, I was pushed there because I was trying to get at something that the dynamic of couples and how the dynamic of a pimp prostitute couple, if that's what they are, is similar to our dynamic or anybody's dynamic. I know. And and if if I pushed you there, I didn't mean to. It's just a really delicate balance. I didn't want it to be left as saying Larry was some kind of hero and then you went in the opposite direction. Well, let's look at scum, what we've been doing and you know, saying. I yeah. mean, I think we walked up there. Look, they have the term slumming. You go to a place that's not yours, and you go there for a night, and you're going to go back to the safety of what. But we were now going to be living with these people, and I think we were sort of, we were enamored. You can tell by the way we're telling the story now. Enamored with their lifestyle, how they were living, how uh, different it was from ours. And we were trying to, I think, adapt to whatever ethic was up there on the hill at that time, as you would in any neighborhood. Okay. Continue. In any neighborhood, what do you mean? In well, I mean, usually if a drug dealer moves into the house next to you, the neighbors all say, get him out. But if the whole street was drug dealers, nobody's going to tell, call the cops on that. You're going to adapt. You're going to adapt to it. You're going to become part of it. Yeah, okay, that's true. Yeah. I mean, you know. I mean, I, 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 look, I wouldn't say enamored. That, uh, that makes it sound like we were somehow, uh, you know, starry-eyed about the people we well, were Well, let's put among. it this way. I, I, yeah, okay, go ahead. No, I mean, I, who, who did we name our, our, our theater after? Janae? Jean Janae, exactly. We, were we enamored with Janae? Yeah. Were we living Janae's lifestyle? Yes. No. No, no, I mean, no, not living. <laughs> I mean, no, yeah. but I mean, he, he later on became a literary figure. You yeah, know? <laughs> but I mean, you know, and you know, and he lived with the at that time. He was living with the PLO and the, hanging with the Black Panthers. I, I mean, yes. I, Look, I, again, it goes back to my one of my many favorite quotes of Janae saying that I myself have the need to call all of society into question. You know, and if that means I'm enamored with the people on the hill, I wouldn't say enamored is the right word, except that 
I'm very interested in them and I have a lot of compassion for them. And it go, again goes towards what Nick, uh, Nick, geez, uh, Janae was trying to do with prisoner of love, I mean, which is to say there you go. we are all equal. There we are go. all equal. We are no better. We are no worse. We all have our good days and our bad days. We all have moments that we'd like to kill ourselves over. Okay, okay. Because we wish we, we can't take them away. No. And we have moments where we're our own heroes. Yeah, well, well, take the title right? itself, Prisoner of Love. Right. Okay, which means right. what? Yeah. Was he enamored with the PLO and the Black Panthers? Yeah. I think so. Right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, you okay, know. Okay, that, 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 that explains it. Okay, we right. can leave it there. And, I, except and, we should tell that story about Larry. About Larry, exactly. And which is the biggest reason why you wanted to get back to yeah, it. You right. didn't want this part of it to not be told and have a one-sided picture of Larry. Yeah, that he's an abusive right. uh, pimp and whatever, right. you know, the you stereotype. Know, um, so what happened was one morning there was yet another fire, one of the many, many fires on the hill. And um, it was, I think... Uh, J yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy is the one who saw it first. And he started yelling and yelling and, and, right. and coming out of his hut and waking all of us up. And in the end, um, it was uh, Tito, Larry, Nick and I, uh, who, and, 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 and Jimmy, who put it out. But then before it was out, Jimmy, I mean, Larry, Larry was about to run in there and into the fire and... Tito held him back and said, no, there's nobody in there, Larry. I promise there's nobody in there. And it turned out that it was Red's hut and Red had left. There, there was some kind of hand that, that was in Red's hand, hut, yeah. a fake hand. And Larry thought it was Red still in there. And he was going to run into the fire and rescue him, you know? Right. So, I mean, yeah. So, you know, people are complex. They got layers yeah, like exactly. everybody. You know, I mean, it's not... Uh, well, anyway. <laughs> I, yeah, to say Larry was scum, uh, without saying that all the rest of them and us, <laughs> if you really want to get down to had it. Had the negative. Uh, had yeah. the, the negative. I, I can uh, see why you didn't want to leave it that way, right. for sure. You know. Right. When we got up there, I mean, what I was thinking about was how our life changed so dramatically, of course, once we... <laughs> Went out there and lived, <laughs> to say the least. You know, it's like we used to go camping, for instance, right? And we used to go down, well, camping, we'd put it in quotes because we Well, really, our friends put it in quotes. Are you going camping again this weekend? And we did go camping, but what we really did is we went uh, to play poker in Atlantic City. Um, I, in very early on, uh, well, the story goes further back than that, I started going to Las Vegas and, and playing poker at like 20. Let me just finish the story because okay. it was funny um, because my parents went, you know, and my brother and I always say my parents, our parents taught, taught us to be responsibly debauched. <laughs> but um, so when I met Nick, I turned him on to poker. And so right. we've been playing casino poker forever. Right. Right. And we used to go down when Atlantic City got poker, uh, which took a long time. But when it finally got poker, uh, we used to go down there and camp. And we did camp uh, for the weekend in the uh, Pine Barrens. Right. Which was a short drive to Atlantic City. Yeah. Right. And uh, <laughs> so then we'd play poker. So, yeah, our friends used to say, did you go camping this year? You know, with the <laughs> quotes weekend. again. Right. But... Um, 
And I think we did that routinely, right? Mm -hmm. This is where I'm trying to get at routinely camping but at a certain point all that becomes ritualized everything you're doing with that mm, yeah well what do you mean yeah you well, don't seem it becomes, convinced uh, okay it becomes a ritual when does routine become ritual and that's when you add intention right for instance we had a routine of going camping, but we had, we had turned it into the ritual, especially a lot of things. We'd have a shot of brandy when we get back from playing poker that night. Around the campfire. Around the campfire. Build a campfire, have and a then, shot of brandy. Right, and the fire would burn all night, and then in the morning you'd stir the ashes of the fire with some new kindling, and then you'd make your cowboy coffee. Yes. Right, and we brought a lot of that ritual into the teepee. Yes. Now, of course, there's a difference between pitching a tent <laughs> and erecting a teepee in a shanty town in commemoration of the wounded right. massacre <laughs> right yeah and uh, so intent right and we're not there for the weekend we're in there for well however long it's gonna be yes right? but we've done a hell of a lot of camping in our lives right so including at burning man all kinds of places right well yeah yes. but this this <laughs> is different okay yeah. this is this is we're gonna live underneath this teepee and everything changes even the 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 cowboy coffee is there yeah you guys remember cowboy coffee we explained it before you boil water over the uh, fire pit in the center um, and when it boils you pour coffee grounds in let them boil up and steep for a while and then drain uh, strain the the grounds with a coffee into a cup and give it to people that's yeah. what we made every morning cowboy coffee we call it right but also going to bed at night which you could do in a tent or in your apartment or whatever but now you're in a teepee and you're looking up through the oh, opening yeah. on the top through the poles how the poles have that configuration and you're looking up into the night sky there and you're you're at the foot of the manhattan bridge but you could be anywhere yeah you know and it it, it became what much more um a ritualized thing of going to sleep Absolutely. for me it did yes i yes. mean i i began thinking about the earth i get been thinking about the sky above me and it was it, it became a meditation going to sleep at night became a meditation a kind of a prelude to whatever dream you're going to oh, have absolutely. that night it was right. beautiful you know i mean the, the thing that killed it from you could be anywhere uh was the the traffic going over the potholes on the manhattan bridge but late 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 at night like early in the morning it, it, that wasn't that heavy um but that's that it's the sound right is the only thing but the the grandeur of looking up while lying inside a teepee through those poles is magnificent you guys and you know the people on the hill um and we'll get to tony who appreciated the teepee most they really felt that as well right especially once i put their portraits in there they felt the sort of holiness if you will of the place you know, right. of, of the surrounding. And that's what takes it. Yes, it was not camping. <laughs> right. It was a ritual. It right. was ritualized living. Right. And, it, you know, the, it, when you get back to the cowboy coffee, the items that we'd have, there was a routine to it because mm -hmm. you had to go to work. You'd go to the, your day, uh, my day job. <laughs> I'd go to your day job. <laughs> right. S speaking about 
<laughs> pimping, right? Yeah. You'd go do my work. Yeah, right? well, we can, let's talk about that too, do you know? Well, let's not. I mean, it's, <laughs> no, I mean, you took, you did, you'd leave at what, eight o'clock in the morning to get to my day job. You work my day job till five o'clock. You'd change clothes at that job and go work for Wilbur at six o'clock. Yeah. And you'd work till 10. And so you'd work from eight in the morning till 10 at night and take a car back to right. the teepee. If you guys just, if you've just tuned in, <laughs> uh, Nick worked at a uh, photographic backdrop rental place that was headquartered in LA that rented photorealistic back in that day backdrops to the film and television industry and it's in that warehouse where I built the teepee where I painted my tarot deck and my portraits and all of that and my day job which was an evening job really except when I filled in for secretaries is I worked for what would later be Trump's secretary of commerce Wilbur Ross at back then we were both working at Rothschild right, Inc. Right. Um, so yes I you know I was not at the teepee that often except uh i, I when I'm, i mean i was there a lot though when was well, yeah, I, there, I know you, you know? were there weekends but i mean a lot of times i had to work the job or yeah, i don't know whatever right. i yeah. i can't remember you, you were there much more than me well i was but... there all the time practically yeah or we'd both be there also and have the pager right. system when the yeah you didn't work called. every night for wilbur you didn't work every night yeah i guess yeah it's just weird because you're right i mostly i worked your job and my job right <laughs> and and did all the uh business of us living up at the teepee whatever it was fielding uh the the thing i wanted to get at is that every morning i'd go across right to the corner to the store there get two cups of coffee mm -hmm. right but one coffee would be all milk. Right. right? Yep. In other words, I'd fill one of the coffee cups with milk and the other one with coffee. Come back and we'd have our cowboy coffee, mm -hmm. right? But that, and put our milk in it. But the other coffee I'd save for Tito. Mm -hmm. And Tito would come every morning regardless. You know, I mean, he was there. It's like he woke up with us. And so it became ritualized that Tito would come in and have coffee with us in the morning. Yes. In a very strained way. <laughs> I don't know if it was strained. No. It, 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 okay, go ahead and title about Tito. Tito was just sad, you know? Well, I don't know if Tito was sad. Tito was Tito. I mean, he'd come in and he'd get his coffee, you know. Um, and stand there like a little boy. Well, yeah, whatever. Look, I mean, Looking down, looking like a little school kid, Nick. Maybe Can I borrow some money? Yeah, some <laughs> mornings he'd say that while you were there, and other mornings he wouldn't. You'd be gone, and Tito and I would have a second cup of coffee, a cowboy coffee, mm -hmm. right? And we'd sit and talk. Yeah, okay, see, so that's, that's the thing, you know? My journal is part of it my memory is another part of it but then there's the stuff that happened when I wasn't there and Nick was there when Nick wasn't there and I was there like with Tony who you didn't know all that well no I no I, better, I got to know? yeah I got to see that just looking at your journal that you had stories from Tony that I never yeah, even heard yeah and that's because he sat it's, with it's you it's like sometimes. anything else in life you know you have affinity towards people some more than others that you feel like you can talk to more readily than others. Yeah, you know? I, I guess it was that for Tito. I mean, Tito was probably the oldest 
heroin addict up there. He was probably around 60, I would say, maybe 55. Yeah. You know, they all look... It's hard to say. They yeah, all look so, they 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 get old. so haggard, right? Yeah. Because of their lifestyle. But Tito was probably at least 60. And he told me some of his life. He told me that he had been a bartender most of his life. And... Uh, bartender waiter at high-end places but the last place he worked at was sammy's that steakhouse that was right down on christie on christie street. street it's still there still exists Sammy's. i'm not sure if it does i looked it up recently really no i think they they covid closed them and then they're opening it up in a new place ah, different lo- okay. different locations supposedly okay, the same sammy's. but still yeah right so uh sammy's was a steakhouse a famous somewhat famous steakhouse uh, what was it, Romanian? Yeah, or? I think so, Romanian. Yeah, yeah. And he worked there, but he was so proud because we were talking about it, and he had invented, and I remember we went there once, mm-hmm. and they did have it. They have uh, absolute vodka in that clear glass, that absolute bottle thing, and they, they serve it with, with a cloth, and it's an ice cube around it. There's a solid, like, ice cube around the bottle, mm-hmm. the whole length of the bottle. All right. And Tito said he invented that. Mm -hmm. And that not only did he invent it, he got to serve it all the time when he was there because he invented it. So he would get any kind of uh, absolute that he added to the bill. The waiters would have to split it with Tito, that extra amount of tip that came from, I don't know how it was figured, but they'd have to split it with him on that, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So Tito was proud of that, but he was also proud of his new life, which was theft. <laughs> and he showed me the thing he invented for stealing. Yes. Right. You're and talking about the uh, spark plug. Yeah, yeah. He, he, <laughs> he, he says, I want to show you this. I invented this, too. And he got out a spark plug, and you know, we were sitting in the teepee talking. And he says, this is what you do. And he, he took the spark plug and he put it on a, a rock that was around the rim of the fire pit and he shattered it with the, with the hatchet. And, the uh, tip of the spark plug to get whatever that metal was off. No, not that. No, 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 no. Let me tell okay, you what he did. Sorry. Yeah, it's porcelain or something. <laughs> porcelain, that's right. That surrounds the, the, the metal part of it. And so you, it had shattered that porcelain into little pieces. And then he picked up all the little pieces and he says, Okay, you take these pieces and you go to a car or a van or whatever that you want to break into. Now, back then, cars, I don't think cars hardly have them now. They used to have vents, little window vents. Yeah. On the driver That's and passengers. Right, they don't have those anymore. No, they don't. Oh, geez, I never even thought about but that But back recently. in 1990, <laughs> a lot of the cars still had these vents, yeah. or most of the cars had vents on them, right? And you would stand back, you know, a couple feet, just a, a little over arm's length, and you would throw this porcelain as hard as you could at the vent, and it would shatter the vent without making any noise. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you could break the vent the rest of the way and reach in and open, unlock the car or whatever you need to do. And he was so proud yeah. of having invented that. So he invented the, the absolute as a waiter, but... Tito, yeah, he would ask for money every day, so I was always prepared for him, and I always had like a dollar or change uh, change in my pocket, a little bit more, and I'd give it to him, but a lot of times he was just sick, you know, and so I got stuck in this real dilemma. Sick because he was a heroin addict. Right. I mean, but you've got to admire these guys because they'd wake up with nothing, you know what I I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, it bears repeating. Uh, We mentioned this before, but there is a certain heroism in waking up every day knowing that you're drug addicted and you have to come up with 50, 100, $150 a day just to get by. And to wake up knowing that that is what you're facing. Yeah, and you always could get a little help from your friends, and that's what kept everybody, you know, up and up on each other because if you didn't make your money that day you'd still be able to get the drug usually yeah so you know so tito would go out to work right after that and sometimes he was so sick he didn't think he could go work and maybe once or twice i gave him money you know but i felt so guilty giving him the money and you felt more than guilty nick money lending and you lending money was a big issue on the hill people like billy toyota were really proud of the fact that sooner or later they always paid you back tito paid me back he paid me back um, he had a, he had a tab with me but he every once in a while would give me some money oh really or he would give me something see that's not and my I'll journal get to something. because you didn't tell me I'll, I'll get to something about like one, one or he'd bring something that had value mm-hmm. to it or value to me Usually the thing didn't have any value to him. The whole thing about this is, what is the difference from him being a waiter and being proud of his work there? I mean, he even included that saying that that absolute bottle, yeah. when it was empty, it wasn't filled with absolute vodka. That's too expensive. It was filled with Smirnoff or Smirnoff what, or, or something, something like that, cheaper, still, cheaper yeah. stuff. So what's the difference between him being proud of that or proud of inventing this way of breaking into a car and making a living that way. Yeah. You were talking about Tito always paying you back, too. Yeah, he always did pay me back, or he paid me back with something that was valuable to me. Like? Well, this is a funny one, because when they get high, the heroin addicts, a lot of them start wandering around the yard. Red did that a lot. Red did it a lot. He was always looking, looking down at the ground. And you knew they were high because they were always looking, looking for something. Remember Red saying that they were making the advertisement. They were making the fake <laughs> to bills. Yeah. To torture him. To torture him. Some some company, and I forgot what he was even advertising, no. uh, had, had come out with an advertisement to look like a $5 bill or some denomination. Maybe it was a $20 bill. bill or whatever. $20 bill. And but they made it look that way so that you would reach out and pick it up and then see the advertisement. And Red was so mad saying, it's not bad enough. <laughs> right. But they're littering the street with advertising. Yeah. Basically to confuse Red. That's yeah, what exactly. To torture him. But they'd go out in the yard and Red was one. But Tito was out there one time and he was you know walking around looking down at the ground and i went up to i i said tito what are you looking for he goes just you wait just you wait (laughs) and so i waited a little while watched him i was sort of you know you find anything yet tito you know and then he started digging into the ground and he found a like a small little pen knife you know i said tito what did you bury it there what are you (laughs) like a squirrel you bury stuff around and then find it again he says, no, no, I, I just knew it was there. I knew, I knew something was there. <laughs> and to me, it was like, oh, my God. Yeah, because he was he, singing your, your metaphysics song. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, I had started carrying a knife when I went up on the hill. And uh, I didn't realize, you know, Tito was only there for like six months, right? Yeah. 
but anyway, I had started carrying a knife when we were up there. And um, I, it was like a, it wasn't quite for protection. I didn't think I could pull it out and get in a knife fight or anything with anybody. But it was there as a comfort kind of thing. I, the only time I had been to jail one other time when I was a kid, and I remember I started carrying a, a knife back then when I got out of jail. Cause it, anyway, I started carrying a knife mm-hmm. at one point up at the hill, I think after I went to jail. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah, which we'll get to. <laughs> but uh, the thing was, I had that knife, and he found this little pen knife, and it said AT&T on it. And I was thinking, oh, my God, look at the communication that's going on here, you know, <laughs> at some kind of metaphysical level, you know. And I says, wow, that's cool. And he says, do you want it? I owe you a lot of money. This is just, this is not for payment. This is just for something to give to you, Aww. you know. And I says, all right, yeah, no, but I'll trade you for my knife. And he says, no, 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 I don't want your knife. So I kept that from him. But, I mean, that's, that's like one of the payments he gave Right. Me. But, yeah. I mean, there were, there were other things, His too. heart was certainly always. I think he brought place. the hatchet to me, too. Did he? Yeah, he brought the hatchet to me. I thought from that was one, but maybe Maybe. Not. No, yeah. yeah, who knows. Yeah. But I, I never felt like I was being taken advantage no, of. No, they were always, uh, we said that at the very beginning. They all brought us housewarming presents when we first moved in. They always looked out for us they always uh, kept you in mind when they stumbled across something oh maybe nick and gabrielle can use yeah, this right, you know right. and so yeah they they were incredibly generous that way but but you know tito uh yeah he was only up there for about six months and um, everybody was watching him everybody yes, there because he tito had a giant abscess that he really needed to go to the hospital for uh, it was some kind of colostomy gone bad, or he didn't want a colostomy because one time he said to me, I don't want a bag on my side, you know. Um, and it's not that anybody ever inspected it, but everybody knew he had it. Yeah. And he had said to me, it wasn't just sickness that bothered him. It was the humili- humiliation of it because he said, you know, Nick, I got to squat the piss like a, like a woman now, you know. I just can't piss out of my dick anymore. It comes out. Comes out everywhere too. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. So you know, it was in. He was bad. He let everybody know, and everybody's saying, "Tito, you got to go to the hospital. You got to go to the hospital." Yeah, except some of the guys, meaning guys like Tony, um, who we'll get to, Billy Toyota, all these guys who had very little empathy or sympathy, who said, "If you're going to live the life, you got to live the life." He's a grown man. Because I would hound them to hound Tito, like I was hounding Tito. I offered Tito my doctor, saying, come and see him. You need to get this looked at. Yeah, 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 sure. Then one day, finally, Tito did ask me for Leighton's number. And I told Leighton to expect his call, but of course he didn't call. Leighton, my doctor, was perfectly willing to help him. And saying he's he is in fact gonna die if he doesn't get it looked at. Then later on, Tito had some, you know, it it, it came and went, came and went. A couple times uh, he went to uh, jail, I think. And, and, oh yeah, one time he went to jail, and I said, oh good, now my maybe they'll look at his abscess. And next thing you know, he's out of jail, and nothing ever happened. Then one time he asked you to drive him to Bellevue. And I did, didn't Yes, I? because he had an abscess on his arm where uh, it was traveling 
up oh, his yeah, arm Oh, yeah, there was a red streak. Heart, a yeah, red a red streak, streak going so in that, the fiction. So that finally, you know, freaked him out enough where he, he took... But he didn't come out. Nobody knew what name he signed himself in under, and he didn't come out, and he didn't come out. And the next thing you know, though, Tito's back out. And he didn't show them they treated his arm and stopped him from having a heart attack from blood poisoning or whatever was going on there. But he didn't show them his, his other But absence. eventually he went to the hospital. Eventually he went to the hospital. Again, nobody knew under what name. No. And then we th- we th- he never came out as far as we knew. And then somebody said, well, he had gotten out. Yeah, somebody said, oh, yeah, he got out a week ago or something like that. Yeah, but, but you don't know where he was. Yeah, and you don't even know if that's no, if it's true you, or not. you just don't know. Yeah, but uh, basically, Tito either died or he got straight or he disappeared or, yeah, you know, well, he was gone. And there wasn't any, like, goodbye or anything. He was just gone. Uh, and that was only, at, he was there six months, maybe. But, I mean, he made such a impression on me only because we were spending time every morning in this ritualized kind of way yeah, yeah. of having and, you the know, coffee. And one time he really moved me. I mean, he moved me every morning when he stood there with such humility and inhumiliation asking for money. But one time he just straight up asked Nick if he could have $10, and he said, I'm in a really bad way. And the honesty of that just really touched me because this time he wasn't trying to say to Nick, uh, you know, just give me your change. I'll pay you back. He was just in such a bad way that he just out and out asked Nick. And Nick had made a promise to himself that he was not going to give money for drugs anymore. And he did give Tito money, but it killed you. It, it, well, you don't know what it did to me. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, whatever. Yeah. yeah okay, whatever. I, 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 don't, I didn't give money for drugs, you know. Yeah. Even though where is their money going? If they borrow five dollars, they're telling a lie to of me. Of course. So whatever. Of course. Tony, for instance, Tony would never borrow money. I no, don't. no. Tony was. You don't even know where he really got his income, even though he was stealing. Yeah, he was a thief. He was a thief. Right. But you know, there was one funny story with Tony. Before I get to Tony, Billy Toyota had it out for Tony and Red because you might recall Billy went to jail when we first got there. And Tony and Red took over his belongings, his hut, and sold his stuff because they were convinced he was never coming back out. He was HIV positive. He was in for some crime that they believed, you know, he was he was in for forever. And then one time, Billy had um, what is it? Peanut butter, peanut butter. <laughs> and Billy Toyota says, "Hide this and don't give it to anybody." And by anybody, he meant Tony. Right. And then Tito came in and said, I heard you got peanut butter and I don't know where he heard it. And then next thing you knew, everybody knew we had the peanut butter and we couldn't say no. And then somebody had dropped off some raisin bread. So the next thing you know, everybody was having peanut butter on raisin bread. And Billy Toyota just kind of threw up his hands and had to go along with it. But there was his kind of arch enemy, although 
I, I mentioned this too. Nobody held grudges for too long on anything. Mm. This was particularly egregious because they lost his wife and kids' contact information. And that's why uh, Billy Toyota was so mad at Tony, mm. you know. <laughs> but the next thing you know, they're all sitting around having peanut butter mm. and raisin bread sandwiches <laughs> inside the teepee, you know. <laughs> it was really cute. Um, all right, so uh, Tony. Tony, I refer to him in the journal as the North Woodsman, because there were a couple Tonys up there. One was not very prominent, but later on there was Tony Panama. And I had to distinguish when talking about Tony Panama and Tony, the other guy. So I called him the North Woodsman Tony. And that's because when we first moved in, he was wearing this a uh, big Russian-looking fur hat, and it turned out that belonged to Billy Toyota, too, which yeah, he promptly right. yanked off his head when he came out of jail and said, that's mine, right? Mm. Um, but also because uh, Tony loved, loved, loved the teepee. He just would spend a lot of time inside the teepee right from the very start. And one day, he took, a, uh, you know, we also mentioned that there was a, a lot of wood up there always, from uh, skids that uh, Sammy and other people took away from the businesses for money. And Tony was chopping and sawing and chopping Mm. and sawing away at the wood to make firewood for the center of the the teepee. teepee, Because he loved sitting in there, sitting in there and, and talking and philosophizing. Uh, you know, he informed himself on the Wounded Knee Massacre. And so he was talking about Mm. that. Um, I had, my brother had given us a book about uh, Native Americans, and he was reading in that. And from there, he found out that uh, Black Elk talking, for instance, about the power of the circle and how Native Americans do everything in a circle. And that really spoke to him. They did everything in fours. Uh, so uh, he just uh, he loved to read you know he he read uh, national geographic mm. and in he said he remembered reading that when they sent a time capsule up to the moon that native americans put a note in there essentially saying don't trust these people they will take you for everything you have (laughs) that that was their message to the time capsule which is probably true but obviously i can't verify that it's just something that tony remembered well you spent a lot of time with a lot of people but tony i think a lot more but it was also tied into you doing portraits of them yes, in a way, yes. right? Yes, and, and Tony early on wanted me to do his portrait. And it was so funny because he I took a Polaroid of all of the people, and I did eventually take a Polaroid of him as well. But one funny moment that we shared is he was going to give me two pictures to, to, to do the portrait out of. He really wanted right. his portrait done. And one was a more recent one, and one was like six months earlier when he had just gotten out of jail. And they were so wildly different. <laughs> we were both just hysterical laughing about it. I don't, I didn't make a note in the journal exactly why, except that we were both laughing so hard, yeah. you know? So there must have been something really funny about the portrait. Um, the difference, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but Tony... Well, first of all, I, I just want to say there was he, he was also Puerto Rican, like Tito, like Juan, except Tito and um, Tony, 
they had no accents, whereas right. Ron had a very heavy accent, right. just you know, Hispanic accent. Um, but he had a lot of memories, which is a part of the reason why Tony also liked the teepee so much. He had a lot of memories growing up barbecuing like Sammy did, also oh, yeah. didn't have an accent, right. Puerto Rican with no accent, right? And so I, I, I think a lot of nostalgia got stirred up in, in many people with this teepee. Right. And so Tony also loved philosophizing. You know, he would talk about, for example, that the Chinese community supported each other so much more than the Puerto Rican and the black community, that the Puerto Rican and black community would just as soon stab each other in the back and they had no role models. So he had a lot of, you know, he had a lot of thought and a lot of opinion about things. He said things were much better back in the day when cops walked the beat and they became your friends and that everything turned sour when, when that wasn't the case anymore. Um, I, I remember Tony as being by himself, but um, I remember you going to the journal recently and seeing there was a, a woman named Rosa, but yes. I don't remember her being up on the hill. Yeah. Was that, I don't that was either, Tony's Nick. girlfriend? Or? Yes, I don't remember her. And from there, I almost have to read from the journal, okay? Because this really moved me, and she was not there for long. But you're sure she was Tony's girlfriend? Yes. Yeah. Yes, because Tony was there. And Tony uh. talked about her later. Rosa, eight to nine months pregnant, very young and naive, has three kids that live with her mother, crack addicted, was elated to be allowed inside the teepee, said uh, she had a if she had a choice of living in a free apartment or in a teepee, she'd pick the teepee hands down, said she'd keep her eye out for stuff that we might need, asked if I'd been to India, and if that's how I knew about making teepees right? Yeah. Says she loves to dress up and that she often finds clothes and is given them and that she'll look out for stuff for nice things that might fit me. So animated and wild-eyed, so sweet and sad. Invited her back any time. She was happy. She was so happy and hugged and kissed me goodbye like she had known me for years. I wanted to cry. The unguarded affection was terribly disarming and moving. She said she lived with Red or Tony, but that she's Tony's girl. Don't know what that means exactly yet. But then later on, Tony came in and, uh, you know, a few days later, meaning, and uh, talked about Rosa, uh, how, how, you, how it's impossible to help someone who doesn't know that they need help or who hasn't asked for it. So, yes, she was with Tony, but it was short-lived. That was all I had about Rosa, and I didn't even remember No, her. I remember Tony you know, being with, with Sue. Sue. Yeah, because yes. Tony was there on and off throughout the years there. Oh, yes. Sue, Sue and Tony. Sue was this Jersey but girl. But Sue wasn't there when we got there. And we're sort of talking about residents that were there when we got there. Right. But she yeah. figures into Tony's story. So, well, yeah. I mean, why, we'll have to tell know. Tony's story and Sue's to story later on, I okay. think. Because this is really about the people who were there. And Rosa was there. Rosa was there. And, and Tony was there. And that was... But I Rosa guess. was just there uh, for a few days. She never. Yeah, even, I know. You know. But I mean. Okay, right. You you're saying we need to stop here, <laughs> right? And continue the story. You you get now a sense of Tito and Tony, right? 
I mean, and basically the only other people that were up there still, which are difficult people to talk about, are um, um, Mr. Lee. Mr. Lee. And the geomancer. Right. Those are the only two people left. Everybody else we covered and we'll uh, talk about. Yeah, they're very difficult to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, right. So until then, thank you for listening to The Hill by Thieves Theater. And if you like what you hear, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit that bell so that you know when our next episode is out. Yeah, and check us out at thievestheater.org, where you can also buy Gabrielle's book and sign up to our mailing list. Yeah. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TP on the Hill. That's T-I-P-I on the Hill. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time. Thanks. <laughs>